This episode of the podcast is sponsored by ShrimpEnvy.com. If you're curious and not just a shrimp guy, still go to ShrimpEnvy.com. They have an amazing selection of mosses and plants. Go on there. You'll find different cultures of all different types of mosses. Uh, Honestly, I'm extremely impressed by the selection they have. They also have accessories like moss ledges to grow them on. Uh, It's not just shrimp, but you can still get 10% off the entire store by using promo code AquariumGuys at checkout. Certainly check it out. The list is quite long. Even some of that uh, uh, weeping moss we've talked about on the podcast. Again, shrimpenvy.com, top of the website, you'll find plants and mosses 10% off with promo code AquariumGuys at checkout. Thank you. Also, the shout-out of the week. I... Flew to California this last week, and I'd like to shout out Shillington Aquariums. Uh, I drove all over. My center point was Redlands, and I drove everywhere I possibly could. And Calamessa, California, has a gem of a aquarium shop. Shillington Aquariums. You'll find them at shillingtonaquariums.com. Check them out. Tell John hi from the aquarium, guys. If you want your own shout-out, go to the aquariumguyspodcast.com. Bob, the website. You'll find our contact info and, more importantly, the Discord link. Send us a message. We'll get you a shout out. Let's kick that podcast. So did you ever get that uh, stuff out of your belly button, Adam? Oh, wait, the podcast is live. Jimmy, how are you? <laughs> what the hell? I just woke up from a long winter's nap, and here I am. Cold opens are hard. Yes. I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby. And I'm Adam el So he, he seemed like he wasn't sure of it for a minute. I'm oh, Adam, no, I'm I'm sure. Adam El-Nashar? Question mark? Yeah, he's, he's questioning life. Yeah. Absolutely. After that clip, yes, you have to. Uh, yeah, we just recorded a nice clip for uh, our Patreon subscribers. Yeah, it's kind of like a Christmas carol. Yeah, check us out on Patreon. You know, Find us on our website, AquariumGuysPodcast.com. Join the debauchery in Discord. The link's in the bottom of the page. Uh, I we, We've gathered together today to talk about uh, tentacle monsters, Jimmy. I'm sorry? Specifically tentacle... Okay, not hentai. Tentacle... Thanks, Rob. Tentacle nose placos. Excuse me. I have never once heard them called that. Well, ever. I I don't want to call them bristle nose because that makes me feel like I bought a toothbrush at swimming. So we're gonna we're here to change the name and establish dominance. No, no. What's wrong with tentacle nose placos? There are. Do we really need to start? You could listen to the Patreon thing and start from there. No, we had nothing to do with tentacles on the Patreon page for Christmas this year. I'm gonna get you about six gallons of bleach just so you can drink them, put them in your eyes and stuff. Well, fine. We're finally here to do our deep dive on bristle nose placos that need to be called tentacle nose placos. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, before we get into the those particular uh, critters, uh, any news, gentlemen? And silence fell upon the earth. <laughs> All crickets. Well, fine. I'll, I'll get to my bit of a rant. Uh, people don't know uh, species deep dives because they haven't practiced it. 
when you open a, a aquarium book, you're getting the knowledge from that consortium of writers that are going to edit that page based upon their experiences. So when you open a book and you see temperaments, for instance, if you get something like a bucktooth tetra, a bucktooth tetra is known as a scale ripper. That's a commonly uh, experienced thing that that particular species does. Well, I'm here to add one to that book. Uh, paradise, Garamis, Paradise Cichlids. Uh, which am I thinking? Paradise of? Garamis. That's the only thing that I know of. Yeah, Par Paradise Garamis. Yeah, uh, I'm pulling up the the picture just in case. Uh, making sure here. Uh, so every time I've had Paradise Garamis, they're they're a beautiful uh, species, right? Uh, they, they come in different colors. Uh, normally you see the blues mixed with like the reds, yellows, and browns. I've also had albino versions which still have the red, but they're, they're white. Every time I've had this species, they have ripped eyeballs out of sockets on their tank mates. Not of each they're other. Convicts. <laughs> convicts I haven't had that experience with. Really? These guys convicts ever rip the eyes out of everything. That's maybe because I've seen aggression. These guys aren't aggressive. They'll just wa they'll swim up to a perfectly normal fish, and then whoop! Suddenly, its eyeball is gone. And you know why? Because it's tasty, delicious. It's delicious. You know that. Okay, that what are you keeping the paradise grammys with? Okay, so the stuff I've kept them with, they've ripped eyeballs of. Uh, any tetra species, even if it's a big Congo tetra, it doesn't matter. It'll just swim up. Boop. Uh, I've had different uh, mollies. Guppies, I've had barbs. They've ripped eyeballs out of you know normal community tank species, which these guys aren't supposed to be so aggressive. Uh, I'm sick of it. Uh, I had it, and I've just gave up on paradise garamis. They're beautiful, but I just don't want to have them because of this issue. Now, fast forward to uh, my buddy Derek at D's Fish Co, and he has had paradise garamis, but only by themselves. So now he's putting them into a display tank with these beautiful Basami rainbow pairs. He comes in in the morning and suddenly a bunch of them are missing eyeballs. I'm like, I told you! Uh, so it, whoever's listening, if you're writing a fish book, add that Paradise Garamis are eye-sucking. So you're saying Derek is having a half-price sale. He is. On some eyeless fish. Well, 25% off for each eye missing. Doesn't seem like enough. Well, yeah, then you could get a, for a okay. blind fish, it's half off. You know what I'm saying? Can't you just buy so, a... I do have a question here. Yes. How many Paradise Grammys are you putting in a tank? Sometimes I put a pair, sometimes I put eight. Well, that's your problem right there. What's the problem? You want to put them you alone? You put a pair in there. And then you said you were putting a group of eight in a tank yeah. with other fish. Yeah. Big gang. Okay. Big, big tank. When you, when you put the eight in the tank, right. do you have. Anything else in there with them? It's a whole community tank. Did you give them a firm talking to and say no eyeball sucking? Okay. Oh, don't worry. We had we had words. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is is that is your problem. You do not. You're not giving them dither fish. You're putting them in with community fish, guppies, and that guppies and mollies and all that is pan. Put them in with something that is semi-aggressive. Every me... time I've had Paradise Grammys, I put them in the semi-aggressive section with barbs. Three examples. Hit me. What do you mean? I need three fish examples that would dither properly. <laughs> uh, really? We're going to go there? Okay. I need it. Help me. I, this is this helps our audience. They're listening Jeez. in. So you're saying tiger barbs? Tiger barbs would be perfect, especially a large school of tiger barbs. Uh, cherry barbs. I've usually put them mm. in with other grammies. Tea time. And whenever I've had them in, huh? Tea time. 
Uh, Tiger Barbs and Cherry Barbs both had their eyes ripped out. Continue. What about Daniels? Uh, uh, the only thing I would try is tried giant it. Daniels. I haven't tried it because they move fast enough. Well, that that's might it. Be a they're, good they're, one. Like, they're like the ninjas of the sea. That's fair. And they're big. And actually, giant Daniels are pretty aggressive for a for a quote unquote Daniel species. Remember the time that I bought like three hundred rummy nose tetras and put them in one tank, Jimmy? Yeah. What happened? Guess what? They all died. There was four paradise grummies in there, and they started. Uh, literally the next day, I'm like, why do I have thirty? Rummy knows that are blind. <laughs> that that's what happened. Literally, I have never had this problem. I have I would throw one paradise garami by itself in with other garamis or tiger barbs, like 15, 20, 30 tiger barbs, cherry barbs, even you know some South American cichlids like some convicts or any of the other stuff, and they don't rip the eyes out. I have. So I don't out. understand how you're having this problem. Why don't you just start out with blind cave tetras? That's. That's literally. I was about to make the joke. I'm blind like, the cave only tetra. dither fish I know that'll work is a blind cave tetra, and they still have little tiny eye slots. But they're, they're, they have the, the sockets, but they have no eyes. They There's have nothing little, in the, so, the the socket. Little, little tiny eyes. Oh, uh, the ones I got a big batch at the at these fish go right now. The ones we have don't. I haven't seen any with eyes. I've seen them with like little tiny tiny slits. I wonder if they cross with the actual not blind cave tetras. Oh, the non the non. Like maybe the regular? I well, I mean, is the, there, is there, I don't know. that's the whole thing. Is the blind, isn't, the, I've never heard of a non-blind cave tetra. The blind cave tetra is based off of another tetra. I think they call it the Mexican tetra. I don't know the actual name of the one that isn't blind. Uh, but the idea is that this is some sort of evolutionary uh, species where one is exclusively in caves and is hypersensitive to uh, scent vibrations across its lateral line, shit like that. And then the other one has eyes and is a normal, normal tetra. I've only ever seen blind cave tetras, and well, they're always an albino. Well, that, uh, that's uh, here. It, yes, Mexican uh, Mexican tetra, also known as the blind cave tetra, is from a family of. Hold on, I'm, I'm getting. I'm well, seeing now, if see, a that's name. different. You said family, so there's. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not reading this in, in order. I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing, going through the. Did they get, did they get misclassified by some needle <laughs> scientist again? Yeah, this is this is another needle digging. <laughs> God, I am okay. tired of them messing with it shit. It shows here that they, that it, that there is a a, a version with uh, eyes. However, it does not have the name because they're not traded commonly in the aquarium trade. So there you go. Oh, okay. So in order for the, the oh, those is, are called this, the fire, the far sighted, uh, the far sighted cavefish. Yeah. Also, also known as the basic <laughs> tetra. <laughs> the basic. Tra- you know what's amazing about the blind cave tetra is. I used to deliver uh, to a store, and I've never seen them so freaking big in all my life. They get huge. Those blind cave tetras. If you yes, they do. If you feed them, yeah, they get four inches. Yeah, and yeah. that's you, normally you see them at about a half inch, three quarters of an inch, and people think that's as big as they get, but they get huge. But I think that's probably because they eat their seeing eye dog. Just guessing. More than likely. Well. Any other uh, tangents before we get in? No. These are this is the what I found out like doing some surveys. Uh, our audience loves these like on point tangents of like things that we experienced in our hobby. Uh, there's got to be something you got, Jimmy. I mean, you're reinsulating your basement. Oh man, it has been a bear cat. First of all, I uh, the house that we we purchased a few years ago. We bought it from a doctor, and she had added on a sunroom, and underneath the sunroom was a a just a 
a, a basement three walls. I think it's like 14 and a half feet by 14 and a half feet. And we've been down there. And what I've, during the winter here, it gets so goddamn cold. And uh, we super insulated the basement. We put in uh, a vapor barrier on the block wall. Then we put in studs. Then we put in styrofoam insulation. Then we put in fiberglass insulation. Then, of course, covered it with, with wood paneling. And then had some stuff done from our furnace over to the fish room to heat up the fish room. And um, right now, our thermostat in our house is set at 68 degrees. But our room is about 73 right now. <clears throat> it keeps getting better. Uh, every day it takes so long for water to warm up so once you have water warmed up um, it will hold very very well and of course now as it's getting colder the furnace runs more often and it warms up but um, the, the tangents that I'm seeing is all of a sudden fish that have been kind of like for instance I've got some guppies some some fancy guppies that have not been doing very well for for breeding but I'm seeing the gestation period uh, coming a lot quicker you know, it used to be it was taking 45 days because it's so cool down there. And now we're down to about 32 days for the guppies to be giving birth and stuff. And just because of the, uh, we're hatching live brine shrimp every day. We're doing three gallons of live brine shrimp. And we're seeing some incredible growth. And I did a little experiment. I was going, uh, doing brine shrimp twice a day. And I went from twice a day to three times a day plus flake. And the growth is just incredible. And uh, the colors are so much better. It's just uh, amazing. These things that that you hear about that you never really practice because yeah it sucks to have to go down uh you know constantly and, and feed fish and stuff but once it becomes a pattern it, it becomes a habit then it's, it's not a big deal it's like every time you think your, your plate is full and if you add one more thing and after you do it for two or three weeks it just becomes natural so we're learning a lot now with getting this this room warmed up and stuff our angelfish are starting to breed some more we that was the only tanks that we were heating was the angelfish tanks and uh, now we're hoping that they'll start breeding, so we just heat up that room to about 80 degrees is what we're shooting for. Yeah, what people don't realize is that we are the uh, warm-blooded species, right? We can ingest food, and then our body regulates its own temperature. So if we're in a cooler environment, our body's supposed to do its best it can to maintain a, you know, was it 98.6 temperature. Uh, fish do not maintain that. They are cold-blooded species, so they're... That is they're, wrong. They did fight warm-blooded fish. Well, uh, thank you for that asterisk. Almost all species of fish are, about, are cold-blooded. What about dolphins? Uh, those are those are mammals. I know. Right. <laughs> Dude. Just say it. No, save it for the Patreon. Okay. Friend. Okay. All right. You can't give it all away. Uh, they're, again, their they're body temperatures are regulated by the water that they're in. That's why it's so important to keep different temperatures for different fish. When you turn up the heat... So does their metabolism. Right. So now, as a segue, what we're going to get into, I've got a beautiful group of 15 long, fin bristledose plecos. And today I watched several videos when I got home on YouTube. And uh, there's a gentleman over in Colorado that is talking about how he spent the last two years trying to figure out what colors they like, what material they like, and what type of cave they like. And he spent two years in that and stuff, and now they're developing their own caves. Um, and he's doing a, a ceramic cave made out of clay, but the outside is uh, light blue. The inside is kind of a natural cave. And he was talking about that, that it has to come to a pinched end. He really feels that that's the important part, is that the end is pinched, whereas the opening is open. <clears throat> you know, you see so many of these caves where it's just like a, you know, it's just like a tube. Um, 
when he did his research, um, he never did get any. You know, you talk to people who try to put in like pieces of PVC pipe for their for their uh, bristles to breed in. Yeah, and he's never had any luck with that because of the color. He went to a darker color. He had he had better earth tones. Yeah. So I mean, it's just what what you can make of it. Learn from other people's uh, mistakes and let them do all the work. It sounds like we need to get him on the podcast uh, so he can talk about his, you know, new Gucci style Playco caves. Oh, they're very, very nice. Uh, the guy's been there for. Uh, he's in uh, Colorado. He's been doing it uh, for the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, he does have some association with uh, the Aquarium Co-op guys. Very, very knowledgeable. And well, his that right there is going to tell me he's not allowed on it. <laughs> Continue, Jimmy. <laughs> so anyway. Um, He's a professional musician, and he travels a lot, and he's got four or five people to come in and take care of his fish room. But his big thing is he's breeding rare stuff. He's breeding uh, rare live bears, and uh, that's his big thing, and he's selling them relatively cheap. Um, he has one of the only um, production of, of one particular, uh, I think it's a Lima, Peru, and it's the only one in the world because they're extinct out in the wild now. And he's What, what fish from Lima, Peru? Uh, yeah, I'd have to look it up. Well, well why are you What's doing that? What's the name? Yeah, what's, what, what am I looking up while you're going to tell people more? All righty. I'm going to have Oh, you to have to go to your your cellular devices. I, I, well, I don't have what I have. I didn't know we're talking about this. Well, th- this is what we got. I uh, call Jimmy's uh, fish <laughs> folder in his phone. He, he, that's where he saves all the good content. And here's the thing is I'm wearing glasses today, so I can't read. It's password protected. Well, while you, while you go in, uh, I did find out that there is a nice Wikipedia page talking about the Bristlenose Playco, also called Bushy Nose Playco, and there's this wonderful edit button where you can make a suggestion. So Tentacle Nose Playco uh, will be submitted to Wikipedia. So in your faces. It wrong. That's so wrong. I think it, uh, Adam's opinion. Don't you think Tentacle Nose Playco would be so much better? No. No? <laughs> Why not? Did you guys happen to read today about the guy that was taking a selfie with the blue ring octopus? Oh, the, dude, I'm still buying some blue rings. That's I, been trending. That's been trending, and I looked at it. I went, "Oh, is this Adam? No, it's not Adam. It's not Adam. Not Adam." Uh, Jimmy, you'll hook me up though, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I still think I can get blue ring octopus. You so should this, be able to. This guy's website looks like it was made in 1994, and it was updated in '95. Right. Um. Where am I going to find out this species? Right here? Right there. Oh. Roll. Roll. Let we, me see We here. must know. Right, stop. This one? No, the one above, uh, right there. Right here? I believe, yep. Uh, these are the last of this population and have been bred out for distribution to the hobby. These are possibly... What is the, it? Uh, I'm getting there. Most beautiful population of... Uh, P-E-R-U-G-I-A. Perugia? Leave me a Perugia? Boca da Chacacha. P-E-R... How do you spell it? P-E-R-U-G-I-A. These are three and a half to four inches and were first collected in 1999. Incredibly special and rare fish. Please maintain the species only in tanks. Breed it and distri- uh, distribute out to others so that it does not disappear. If these disappear, oh, this exceptionally att- yes, yes, this exceptionally attractive fish may be gone forever. Yeah, right He's now. selling a group of six unsexed for fifty bucks. 
Okay, so these are just like a live bear. Yeah, they're they're not a. That, play that's film. all this guy does. He he, he said there's like 110, 111 live bear species, and this is one that he's had. He's been working with for ten years, and he is he has sold them to other people to try to keep them going, and uh, he just recently got a hold of a whole bunch of people that he sold them to, and nobody uh, has kept him going as long as he has. And he, as far as he knows, he's the only one in the in the world that has this particular fish. Well, I'm buying some. We Jimmy, to, you want in on this? We need to get on on this. Well, I'm just telling you what hey, I what I read today. Let's, let's do fifty bucks ahead, right? I'll do fifty bucks. You do fifty bucks, and we'll all get the, each other for Christmas the a batch of batch of six. A batch of six. Down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting because I mean, I I know that that Seagrass Farms had uh, uh, some of these like uh, Lima tigers and different things. Yeah, those are decently common. And so. Um, those are in high demand. They're, they're not the most beautiful fish in the world, I don't think. But he, he, the man is trying to trying to save them from extinction, and he's having some pretty good luck with it. And fifty bucks is really fair. You know, if you look at his other prices too, I mean, he's selling you know adult um, adult swordtails, the green wild bears, for like fifteen bucks. Yeah. I mean, he's not out of he's not out of the question. He and he 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 sends out fish once or twice a week. And uh, you just contact him, and he checks your zip code every day to make sure the weather is between 35 degrees and 95 degrees. Well, we're and then out he ship, until ships spring, you. apparently. Huh? We're out until spring, apparently. We probably are up here in Minnesota, but yeah. he's in Colorado. And uh, hey, I watched him on uh, being interviewed today, and his fish room is, is pretty simple, but pretty genius. I mean, he has automatic uh, uh, water changes that happen every day, 15% at a certain time and stuff. It's just, just kind of a cool guy. He's also got some great stuff for, um, he went to uh, work with an aquaponics company and they figured out uh, the best thing to uh, use for, for plants. And he, he sells a container that, that covers 40,000 gallons of water for plants for 30 bucks. And uh, he's got- I figured out why. Why what? Why nobody's having luck with them. Why is that? They're not, they're not treating them like brackish. Oh yeah, you got you got to do that with a lot of these wild Mexican species. That's what these are. This is this is yeah. This is a brackish fish. Yeah, he got them out of the wild. Probably what, keeping as fresh water. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. He said like ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. He got them out of the wild, and he's been working with them ever since. So yeah, I don't know. He he's having gr- good luck with them now and stuff. I, I you basically kind of breed that out of them. I think, don't you? I mean, after you, I don't know if you can. That's a good question. Well, that's a good question for some of our listeners. I mean, can you breed the brackish out of... I mean, because we know you can make a molly. I feel like you got a cross-species to do it, and then it's more of no, just an no, individual no. acclimation. I don't, I don't think you can breed the brackishness out of a fish. Well, I, I know you can't breed the stupid out of people. So, okay, here's how they do well, with monos. Yeah. All right, but monos are mono so brackish, they're, they're commonly used in some salt water, right? I use them to acclimate saltwater tanks. Right, so monos are uh, really hard to go work in fresh water. But it happens. It's just this long, drawn-out uh, water change and delusion of going from salt and then finally weaning them into it and then getting them established and healthy long enough. But the problem is, is these live-bearer species have short lifespans. What was interesting is that one of my first fish was monosebays. When I bought them, I thought they're angelfish. I was probably 12 years old, and I swear to God, I swear. I thought, oh, these are much better looking angelfish than those. Coolest angelfish of all time. And I, I had them for years. I had them for years and never, never kept them in salt. Right. So yeah, can be done. It's yes, just it these guys have shorter lifespans, so it's more, more difficult. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the thing: if you could do it, there's some species that I doubt you could. 
Bumblebee Gobies, um, Peacock Gungeons. I think you can. I've had uh, any of Gungeons. the brackish water Mori eels. I don't think you can. I feel like at the point that you want to sit there and like, hmm, I wonder how many species I could get this to work, is more of a cruel conversation than just doing brackish in the first damn place. You know, like, hmm, I wonder if I could get this one. You know, I've killed about fifty now. <laughs> I think I should finally give up and just put them in the brackish. Just put them in the brackish and let them go. Uh, well, r- regardless, you gave a, <laughs> a shout out and a huge tangent uh, off topic. I just uh, thought it was very interesting today. I saw him on YouTube being interviewed by uh, uh, a young gal, and he was just a knowledge. Uh, had a lot of knowledge, and uh, I thought back to uh, the Pleco King Jim when we talked to him, and he's talking about how he finally found the correct cave for his plecos. Right. And the reason I say this is because I personally suck at breeding Bristol's plecos. You do, but before we go into detail on how you suck... I suck big time. Shout out Greg Sage of Select Aquatics at selectaquatics.com. Uh, it's his home operation, and I didn't mean to get on your website. It's more retro chic. So uh, <laughs> go check it out. Give him a shout out. Tell him the aquarium guys love him very much. Need to get him on the podcast. He's got a lot of great information, too, on... Um, on the breeding, and he's got his own brine shrimp hatcheries. But he's got some tips and tricks on different things that he's learned and stuff. So, and he shares them with him. And I know for a fact that um, he is kind of one of these guys that's open to sharing secrets with people because he wants people to succeed. Just the way he was talking. And he's got my favorite books listed on his website. All right, enough of this. Let's get back on uh, track. So, Jimmy, my favorite books. You have sucked at Bristol uh, Placo. So. Uh, before we get into that, quick uh, uh, little note for the people that haven't tried them. Bristlenose Placos are a uh, very common, popular series of Placos that all have the distinctive uh, tendrils or uh, spikes on their noses. Uh, they can be short, they can be almost non-existent on females, and they can be very long and tentacle-like on, on bulls and uh, big males. Uh, these are commonly, there's a whole lineup of different variations and subspecies, but they commonly only grow to about four inches long. Yes, and that's why people love them. Right. They live about 10 years in my experience, uh, since that's as long as I've ever had one, is 10, 11 years. I've never had one that long. You also keep a much warmer room. Well, right now, <laughs> I've got my, my long fins. Uh, all summer long, I had them on the bottom shelf with no heater, and I brought them up to temperature now, and uh, they're really making googly eyes at each other, but nothing's happening. So, Jimmy, let, let's let's talk about, like, what when did you first actually try to breed bush in those Blancos? I have tried and tried and tried for probably five, six years. Just solid. Solid. And And once they get going, they're fine. But then they'll decide to take a break and then not come back online. Well, I'm glad that I've been a part of this entire experience. Because let me tell you, when I first saw you getting tubs in and saying we're going to do this, I was excited. And yeah. never did I see one batch. And then d- depression set in. So to breed a Bristol-Nose Placo, it's relatively easy for most people. Um, <coughs> Jimmy's cursed. Flat curse. I don't think you've gotten, what, five batches in your lifetime? I've probably gotten... Maybe five. Maybe yeah. five. Yeah. I probably raised about 150 of them total. And it was the same one over and over and over and over and over. And then she burnt out. 
Well, I mean, that's that's bound to happen. So to breed a bristlenose placo, you have to have a established tank. You, I would recommend having shade cover in your tank, and then having a what we call a placo tube. Uh, the tube varies in sizes depending on your placos, but uh, you can go to your common uh, local fish store and just walk in and say, I need Placo Caves. They'll ask you if they're good at their job saying, what Placo do you have? And all you say is Bristle Nose, and they have them on hand at all times. Because it's, in my opinion, the most common uh, appropriate Placo species you can get. Um, you'll see that Walmart and big box stores that used to deal in fish, and then still at the Petco's and PetSmart's of the world, they will have what they call the common placo or Florida placo. That is not a bristlenose placo. These particular placos, uh, called the Florida placo, are huge. In the wild where, well, the wild, in the rivers in Florida where they have made themselves invasive, these things get as long as my arm. At least. Easy. Yeah. They d- burrow holes and banks across the river uh, bottom and... They have huge clutches of uh, young. And what was the story, Jimmy? You were in Florida. You saw someone getting paid to go brave the waters. So, And this is just like what Robbie was saying, the Florida Pleco, the regular Pleco. Myself and my my buddy Mark um, from Bemidji, Minnesota, we were were down there doing the uh, an actual Florida fish farm tour. So this isn't where you ate crickets. Yes, it was. Same, okay, good. Same, same same trip. Same trip. Excellent. We, we went down to the Florida Fish uh, Co-op uh, Extravaganza show that they have at the Orlando um, Coliseum. They bring in two, three hundred vendors, including you know uh, tanks and and other pet related items and stuff. And so we went over to somebody I had done business with a long time, and his name's Paul Norton. And Paul is um, has has sold out. I think he's retired now. But he was a, uh, a really good friend of uh, Elwood Seagrass, Seagrass Farms. And so Elwood made me uh, an introduction into him stuff. I bought a lot of fish from, from uh, Paul over the years. So we went there to actually see an actual fish farm, which is fascinating. And I know um, we've done that before when Robbie and I have been to Florida. Funner than <laughs> the most redneck <laughs> you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, these people that are, are, are farming fish in Florida... They're not throwing high-end, crazy amounts of money on equipment. I mean, they're breeding fish in tanks that are still stainless steel, you know, rim tanks. Uh, we went to, over to 5D, and that's what they, they raised their um, tiger barbs in. They had five-gallon stainless steel rim tanks from the 50s. And I said to him, I said, why don't you use something else? He goes, because they hold water. And that's, I mean, and, they, right. and what they would do when they're raising tiger barbs, they'd go down to the creek and they'd get the soft water, put in the tanks. They put in all the males and females, and they gave them two days to spawn. After day three and Wednesday, they pulled the they pulled the uh, tiger barbs, the adults, and then let the, the babies hatch. And they're producing tens of thousands every week. But back to going over to Paul Norton's, which was at that time called Norton Tampa Bay Fishery. We went over there, and um, Paul uh, walked us around the farm, showed us everything that he had to show, and he said, "Hey, you guys want to stick around for a little bit? I got some guys bringing in pleco eggs." And we go, oh, that'd be kind of cool. And so these two young guys who are probably, uh, they're brothers, and I'd say they're probably like 16 and 18, came up in two S10 pickups, brand new. 
Well, we're we're going to assume that they were legally of age to work and do risky risky choices, but so we'll say eighteen at least. Sure, we'll say that. Here's sure, sixteen, wink, eighteen wink. years old, two young guys, and and Paul when they came up with these two matching pickup trucks, I went, oh, matching pickup trucks, that's cute. He goes, well, they're brothers. He goes, and I paid for those trucks. I go, oh, you bought them for him? He goes, oh no. He says the amount of money these kids get from me, and so at the time um, they came up and. They, of course, they hit the brakes and stuff, and, and the water kind of runs out of the back of the of the truck. And, and in the back of these little S10 trucks is probably 15 or 20 five-gallon pails in each truck. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take each pail, um, he says, and then we're going to sort them. And it, it was, I believe, if I remember right, it was uh, ping-pong size, tennis ball size, and softball size. That was the egg cluster size small medium large and paul says you grab one out he goes he goes here's what i want you to compare it to he says that if you got two smalls go too small and he's just writing them down two smalls three large four this like that Ta-da. yep and we went through this um in about an hour and anyway he gets it all done and he's paying these kids at that time uh i think it was 15 25 and 40 dollars for these clusters of eggs and then he just he took them and he hatched these eggs and and he didn't have to have any breeding stock, and he was selling plecos by the thousands every week, and these guys were making good money. And how they how they went and got these eggs is they went and waded in the local creek river with waders on, and they took um, they had kind of like these sticks they poked the sides, and they said once you once you kind of know where they're at, he says they love the overhang where it's kind of dark, and they they poke until they find a hole. In the bank of the river and then they reach in or take their stick and kind of swirl around so the fish swims out and they reach in and grab the egg clusters and and put them in the pails and float the pails to the edge of the river so what you're not realizing is this is a very florida man news article waiting to happen is that there is i don't know gators in those holes water moccasins uh yeah all kinds of (laughs) that will bite bite you and uh make you for a very bad day but uh, the money's so good that, you know, why not risk it? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. When we went walking down to the river, um, the one thing that Paul said, he said, be careful for the, not to walk into spider webs because they have the, uh, what's the, the the red hourglass on the black widows, Adam? Yes, the black oh, widows. The red hourglass, yep. Yeah. So the black widow spiders are, they like the edge of the river because it, it uh, oh, lo- lo- bugs love water. Stuff, right. Yeah. And stuff. And he says, that's the main thing you got to watch out for. He said, you don't want to walk into a spider web full of these you know the spider and uh he said but he said all oh, the gators will get out of your way i'm like i don't believe you right so the, those particular placos were hatched out uh sold and pushed out to every pet store because they're extremely inexpensive and when we say extremely expensive cents a piece and they're sold for relatively nice amounts of money at pet stores but you get that and that placo does not stop growing so you eventually end up with this monstrosity placo that you either have to watch die because it's the small tank or you have to give away to a friend that puts them in a pond and watch them freeze in the in the winter it's just not a good thing. So if you have a normal aquarium, when I say normal, it's 20 gallon to, let's say, 75 gallons, you want a normal Placo to go in there or a normal set of Placos that only grow four to four and a half inches. So the Bristlenose Placo is for you. They have great appetites when it comes to uh, uh, cleaning algae and other uh, substances on your tank. They're detritivores. They're not just, you know, plant eaters. 
you're going to want to uh, make sure that they have a mixed diet. So when you do the algae wafers, they're also going to be eating the flake and other pellets that you put in the tank. They're there to, to clean up. Uh, breeding. These Plake OKs, so you go to your local fish store, ask for it. My preference, because again, I have a ton of luck. I, in fact, probably right now, I have, I'm sitting on three batches in my uh, handful of tanks I have going. I hate you. You hate me. Uh, I breed these things in chains. What you have to realize is the water quality is so much different because I'm two blocks over from you. Yeah, two blocks, the water quality is so different. It is much yeah, different. Much different. Uh, in my tanks, they're heavily planted, and I use uh, the diameter of the hole for the cave is one and a half inches, and the length of the cave generally is six inches. I try to do clay-based caves. Um, when you said that the guy did upon some investigation pinched on the end, those are the only ones I happen to use, is where they have the uh, pinched close ends. And uh, mine are all varied earth tones, you know, different browns and tans. And I can't put enough Placo caves in my tanks, and I just get batches and batches in there. Or maybe if you wait long enough, I'll sell you my my Placo caves because you'll just give up. I'm just gonna I'll give just up. you know just you give me Placo caves, I'll give you babies. That's there you how, go. We'll, we'll trade. Okay, here, here's the other thing. So Robbie, yes. do you have driftwood in your tanks, and Jim doesn't have them in his? No, Jimmy has much more driftwood than I ever have. Much more. I, I do have a tank. Robbie's with a, got live with a whole tree. A whole tree log in it. They breed well in there. I have plants or uh, tanks with no driftwood at all, and they breed well. But the, the thing is, I have uh, all dirted tanks, all different sands, different gravels. Uh, Jimmy generally has bare tanks. So Jimmy tried to give up. He tried to uh, um, put sand in the bottom of his tanks. He tried to put different gravels. He's put them in tubs. He Anything that he can get as a recommendation from people to breed Placos, he's, he's thrown at but somehow has no luck. You know, Andy, I, go ahead, Radham. Well, no, no, I want to hear what, Jim, you were going to say first. I'm just going to say that I've talked to professional Pleco breeders over in Arkansas and different places and stuff, and, and they have told me that, you know, we get them going so well, and then all of a sudden, he said, they just stop, and we don't know why. We don't know if we get a bad batch of food in, if the water quality changes, if the weather changes. The barometric pressure. And he says, he said, we'll have three, four hundred pair, and we won't have anything for two months, three months. Nothing. Nothing. I don't have that problem. And I'm just like, I have that all day long. I've never had that problem. Uh, my tanks, I, uh, the only thing I think I do differently that we've never tried, Jimmy, and I've sat there and thought about this before this podcast, is I almost never do water changes. And I mean ever. I'm looking at a tank right across the room from us that's 60 gallons. It's been sitting there for three years. Not once have I done a single water change in just that tank. Just top it off. It's just evaporation. That's all I've done. But it's very well planted. Right. Uh, overplanted at all times. Well, I tell you, that's where I've had success now with breeding guppies is having the tanks with live plants. And I've got a 30-gallon tank with probably 300 guppies in it right now, and I haven't lost one in a year. There you go. Because I think the live plants really, really go a long, long ways. When I was watching all the, I'm really getting into high-end guppies right now. Robbie kind of started me in on it. He bought me a, a trio of half-black yellows. And um, I started putting in the, the duckweed. And the duckweed just takes over the tank. And it's kind of like leprosy. I mean, you put your arm in there and you, you pull out all this stuff. It's the herpes. Yeah. You need the prank, Jim. I need a what? The you plant. need the plant. Not your plant, dude. Oh, I have more information on that later, Adam. Right, yeah. The, oh, okay. Right, they're going to burn it. 
No, more information <laughs> in, indeed. So anyway, w- with the the high end guppies and stuff, with all the the uh, duckweed and all the different plants, right now I'm I'm doing a whole lot of uh, chola wood with uh, anubias on it and stuff, and now tons of babies, tons of babies, and um, and just because of that duckweed, that's they all hide up there at the very very top until they're big enough, and they will come out. The other day, the the half black yellows that Robbie bought me for my birthday. Um, I fed the other night and 35, 40 little ones came out of the duckweed. And I, if you'd have looked at it, you'd swear there was not one fish in there. Just poof. Yep. And just poof. They all came out of there. Like, and, uh, plants are the way to go for breeding in my opinion. Yeah. I have to totally agree with that. So now let's go through the process. Now this is only my experience. I I know that Adam and I both have bred quite a few bristle noses in, in the past. Right, Adam? Yes. So in my experience is, uh, Make sure to have a well-planted tank. If you can give them hiding spaces, better, and some sort of substrate. It doesn't matter if it's sand. It doesn't matter if it's gravel. Sub, uh, just as long as there's substrate, because I have much less activity in a bare-bottom tank for breeding than I ever will in something with with some sort of substrate. Now, uh, after that, get your fish in there. You can sex uh, bristlenose placos um, once they're over. Uh, two inches, you will begin to see that males grow long tendrils, those tentacles on their nose, and they will become uh, much more uh, pronounced than uh, uh, the other uh, placos that have almost no bristles when they're the same size. Just kind of stubble. Right, just just a little stubble, like five o'clock shadow in some uh, sometimes, to almost nothing. Those are the females. Uh, so once you get to two inches, you should be able to sex them quite easily. Um, put multiple placos. It's not like where you have to have you know two females for every male. This is a little different. You want to go heavy males at first. Once you get the males in there, then give them hiding places. Give bring in the caves, bring in the driftwoods, and give them places. And you will start to see that they will claim caves and claim corners of the tanks. And that's the beginning of breeding behavior. If you have less caves than you do bull males they will even begin to fight over different uh, caves and different structures in the tank once that starts happening you know you've reached magic so watch carefully because they will beat the crap out of each other now you think that these fish have no teeth they do have rather rough uh exterior uh, very rough really bad what'd you say the pectoral fins are really bad. Right. They're very rough, and uh, they, they hit each other with it. But more importantly, they have these, uh, I would like to call them maces on the sides of the, the um, uh, fins that they actually stick out. They're, they're uh, spikes, bone spikes that pop out of the sides of the placo right where you could see, uh, see their cheeks almost. You could call it their cheeks. And they bash into each other with them, and they will rip each other apart. So once you see them fighting, split them up. You get to choose the winner, you know, if it's your favorite male or not, and then move them to another tank or move them to another corner. Uh, Then you'll see that male will stick to his cave. That's when he's looking for a female or trying to entice a female to come over to the cave. The male will claim that cave throughout this entire breeding process. Um, Once he finds and lures a female to come into the cave, he will pin that placo into the back of the cave and not let her go until she drops the eggs. Uh, Once the eggs are dropped, he'll release the female, he'll fertilize the eggs, and then he will begin to protect that cave 
and not let anything else but himself go in that cave. Uh, the way that you can tell that um, either egg behavior has happened, is about to happen, or already happened, is you'll see a fanning behavior. They will take their side fins and they will wave them up and down. That is to cycle water in and out of the cave to oxygenate the eggs, since the eggs have to breathe through the exterior of the eggs. So if you see a male placo tail in there, take your flashlight and you'll see if they're doing that fanning behavior, you're probably sitting on eggs. So you can take a flashlight, lift the cave out, whatever you need to do, and you can see the yellow golden eggs in the back in a big clutch. Um, what I do from here, this di uh, differs from some people, is I leave the male, let him sit on those eggs. Uh, depending on your water temperature, it'll maybe a couple days, maybe a few days, but eventually those eggs will hatch and they will become wrigglers. So it just looks like an egg with a tail, and if you see these little tails wave, you know that the egg hatching is over, they're free-swimming wrigglers, and then I will strip the cave. I'll take the cave out, because the, the, the parent will not, the, the, the father will not leave his cave. I'll take it into an ice cream pail with water, and I will have to coax and shake the placo out of the cave. The adult placo will fall out of the cave, and then I will sh uh, continue to tap and shake the cave to release the wrigglers, and I will put them in a free-floating um, baby basket, much like you do with baby guppies, and make sure that it just has enough uh, oxygen flow, whether I have to put an aerator in there, or I at least know that there's flow around the baskets to make sure they're oxygenated, because th their tails will wiggle, allowing water to flow over them and breathe, and you will then watch them absorb their yolk until they're tiny free-form uh, babies and you can begin to feed them. So what do you like to feed them when you have babies? Uh, me personally, um, I use a, a mixture, but the most uh, important thing that I've found is spirulina. You can't just feed direct spirulina because it's like giving your kid broccoli and only broccoli. They're not going to like the taste, it's not going to entice them, so I have to find different ways to um, get them to eat it, and generally high protein uh, things uh, work. So my favorite is Cobalt's Ultra Pellet Shrimp and Veg. This is a um, 10 millimeter sinking pellet, so it's huge. So I throw one or two pellets maybe in that basket and then watch them eating the dissolved protein and spirulina pellet. Uh, works great for me. I get good growth. I get really good uh, runs. I'll get easily, you know, 300 Placo in a clutch. And I'll get most of them to at least, you know, that inch size where that time I'm passing them off to friends, giving them to Jimmy to go sell and, and put out his grow-out tanks, well, wherever I can pitch them. Because I have so many Placos, I have too many to deal with in my small, you know, fish fish corners. So how many do you get in a clutch? I'll get 300. No. I'll get 300. No way. Out of my biggest females, I'll get 300 in a clutch. Holy crap. Uh, lower end, you know, I'll see 30 out of a, out of a new, new pair. Yeah, the bigger the female, the more eggs, of course. Well, uh, I'll, I'll have three males in a tank, three, four males in a tank, two females, and they will keep, uh, in some situations, they will keep all of those males attentive with eggs. So you you have a bunch of slutty. Females. I have a bunch of slutty females. Wow. So here is the first question I have for you, Robs. Yes. 
You have multiple males in the tank, right? I do. Jim, do you, Jimmy, do you have them in the tank too? I have a breeding group of 15 plecos that I bought. They're long fin plecos in a 40-gallon tank that I bought from a guy who went out of business. And I never lost a one, and they're freaking gorgeous, and the females are ripe with eggs, and they just stare at me. How many males to how many females? I would say there's probably about six or eight males in there. I'd have okay, to. I'd, you, I'd actually have to take them out and count them. But, and females are matching. Yeah, so I would, I would say that I probably got a few more females than males. I've done it wrong. I've done you know where it's more females than males, and they still breed. I've done it where it's more males than females, they all breed. Uh, I just I, I I can basically throw a handful of placos in a bucket in my uh, fish room. As you long can as breed placos in a freaking toilet. I don't want you to do that. You proved to Jim that you can do it. I have. In fact, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's had this big setup where he's doing these, what he called, because he's, again, he's talking to quote-unquote professionals that do this, and they were showing him these, these uh, shallow breeding ponds is what they made. Mm-hmm. So he set up, he spent a lot of money, he set up all these breeding ponds, he got all these specialty caves and all this shit, and I'm sitting here with my rinky-dink, you know, broken caves that I've glued together, and I've used a Rubbermaid tote, and I just got batches after batches. Jimmy's come down, he's like, hey, Rob's ready to do the podcast, hold on, I'm pulling, th- I'm stripping yeah. three caves. And and the last three four caves that he got was from me that I'd gotten from Steve Rubicki. Yeah, so I have the exact same freaking caves that Robbie does. I he, just I just gave him some some of mine because I like they're not being used. He will give me his placos. He will give me his caves. He will give me his driftwood and plants. I'm using his same exact water. We're two blocks away from each other. I I'm it's gotta be that I don't do water changes in the tanks they're breeding in. And and my my next thing, Adam Adam, that I was thinking about doing is I keep reading from people a lot like angelfish to do cool water changes. All mine are cool yep. water changes. I and and so that's that. that's what I'm going to do next, is I'm just going to do a water change every day. Well, it's not changes. They're top-offs. No, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do water changes and top-offs. I'm going to pee in the tank. I'm probably going to take and put some dog dookie in there, swirl it around, maybe run a couple Holstein cows through there. I don't know. I'm just ready to throw my... I mean, these, these long fin bristles, pickles that I have are just freaking gorgeous. And they are four inches, three inches. And I know that they produce because the guy that I, that I bought them from, I was buying all his babies from him. But he uh, went through a divorce and he had to uh, move on. And I bought his... And I thought, here we go. Look at this. Check it out. Hey, Robbie, look at my fish. Right. And he comes over and he laughs at me. So the, the things that I've done wrong in breeding is when you overcrowd, um, especially if you have a log... They will, if you have enough placos and you're not paying attention, they will burrow their way through the scent, the core of the log. So I, t- I was actually taking down a 75-gallon tank, and it had this big driftwood log inside of it. And when I say log, like a tree log, like I had to have help getting out of the aquarium. Well, being in there for so many years, I found out that the mass amounts of placos that I had in that thing uh, burrowed a tunnel in the center of it and there were so many placos fighting for certain corners because they were breeding inside the log on their own that uh, to to fight for dominance and keep females in there they would actually suck um, red rings into the uh, female placo so I have female placos with like ring sores on their body hickeys right essentially they're hickeys they're they're just really deep bloody hickeys fish hickeys 
so if you start seeing any rings or damage, you have too many Placos. You don't have enough caves. Put more caves in. You can't go wrong. Um, placement of caves. People ask me, where do you put caves? Me, I've put caves upside down. I've hung caves inside of decor. I've put them in the substrate. The best luck that I have is in the substrate. If you can make the entrance of the cave level to wherever the sand or uh, dirt that is in, you'll have, that's the first cave they want to hit. Now, the other day when you were over at my house on Thanksgiving, I showed you that that new Pleco cave system that I found online, which I can't find right now. We're going to have to have him on the, the podcast, but the, they call these, It's he's not the guy that invented this. Uh, they essentially call them like uh, Pleco cave cities or stackable Pleco caves. Right. So we're, I'm looking at one here from another vendor. And essentially, they take the traditional Pleco caves and they'll put plates in between them. So it's a stacking plate. So then you have essentially eight to 12 to 24 caves all stacked on top of each other. Yeah. I have, I've done this before in my own way. I haven't purchased the expensive ones because clearly I don't give a <laughs> about doing this. Yeah. The, the, the guy that, that I found online, which was interesting, is that I was watching a YouTube video of somebody was at a show showing the new and exciting stuff. And this particular vendor has the, I, I want to say it was called, did I, did I send that to you, Rob, what it's called? Easy Caves or something like that? Well, we're going to have them on the podcast, so don't don't give away too much. So anyway, what he has is, it looks like a Pleco City, it's probably three levels, four levels, and the Pleco Caves slide on and lock, they lock onto this onto the, the rack. And so you could have this rack six high in a 40-gallon tank and 20 long. Well, it, it fixes the issue because if you stack these, so you're doing, let's pretend, four Pleco Caves in the bottom, you put on a plate on top of them, right. three Pleco Caves, another plate, and then you stack these. Well, Placos, when they're trying to fight for the cave they want, they will knock this tower down yeah. that you've built. I've got big Pleco Caves that are just getting pushed around in my yeah, tank. Yeah, they will whip them around. And so this guy, the inner lock, and the other thing that's cool about it is it isn't closed on the end cap, but they 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 split, so you could pull, you could slide it off the rack, and then you could split it in the middle and get your eggs out if you want. Right. Which is, so they're they're not just it's not just split; they interlock. So the Pleco is not going to crack these apart on their own. Right. You actually have to pull them apart, and it's like a good inch of how they interlock. It's a quite a cool system. That yeah, it's kind of like on a track system. And I just discovered it. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I think it was about a hundred bucks for a rack of like eight. Right. And stuff, but he sells them for about twelve bucks. Um, right now, we're looking at a website, um, and we're seeing them from six to twelve dollars. Um, and there again, they have all these different shapes, and every, just like anybody else, like a human, a Pleco might like the triangular shape versus the round shape versus the square shape, depending on what type of fish they are. So, if you think of shapes, the ones I traditionally use are circles or ovals. Uh, they're generally handmade with clay. It's a pretty simple, a simple deal. Like it's these ones one, I have exce- uh, uh, success with. These one eighties, we call them. One eighties, three hundred sixty degrees for a circle. That's a one eighty. Okay, so the 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 Playco cave that you're talking about is a one eighty. Is essentially a half circle where it's flat on the bottom, and then the rest is a circle. Right. Um, then they have triangles, squares. I've had luck in all of them. The best luck I've had is the ovals or circles. <laughs> circle, you right? I've had luck with none of them. The ones I've had luck with, the, the you one... You spent that, loads of money on I, this, too. You know, that's me. How could I throw money at a problem? <laughs> Absolutely. So I could have hired a carpenter to come over and do my three walls, but it's just so much easier to go out and buy lots of new tools well, and yeah. do it yourself. 
and it cost me $1,500 for my room for three walls. I'm talking eight foot tall by 14 foot wide walls, $500 a wall. Just the plastic alone for the vapor barrier between the block wall and the studs, $65. Sure. I feel bad for people who are building real homes that are spending money, you know, putting up real lumber type projects and stuff because it's ridiculous. But if I would have hired somebody else to do it, it would cost me a fortune. So, and my whole thing was I was trying to warm up my room and try to reduce my, my electricity bill. So we'll see what happens. I'll give you an update here in a few months. Fingers crossed. Now, other don'ts that I would uh, highly encourage. Don't have Jim help you. If you want to have Plecos, for the love of God, stay away from loaches. If you have clown loaches, those sons of those sons of bitches will come in there and they will just rip apart every cave that you have. If you have, I have literally, I had one clown loach in a 75 gallon tank with eight caves. All eight caves had eggs. The clown loach cleaned out every one of those. And left the snails. Well, I, I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know I had a clown loach until I tried to pull a cave. and you found not notice you have a clown loach? I know. That's what I'm thinking to myself, too. And found them in there. Well, I thought I, I, I got them all out was the problem. So you, you had count? You had a rogue. I, I don't know how many I have. A rogue ninja Clown loach. Clown loaches are. I the, bet you it the, grew like heck when it ate thousand eggs. They are the egg suckers. Oh, the thing was so <laughs> fat. It was insane. Jeez. It was small too, so I know it wasn't egg bound. It was just egg full. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just insane. So stay away from loaches like the plague if you want to breed plecos. I haven't had problems with coolie loaches and whatnot, but again, I probably wouldn't do those either. Those yeah, are coolie loaches are pretty safe. Yeah. Like um, I mean, I've had them with baby. I've I've had them with breeding with bumblebee gobies and stuff, and they've never brought been a problem. So when you say safe, like dolphin safe? <laughs> uh no. Okay, just um, checking. Okay, thank you. Dolphin but safe. But no, they're Jonah. they're usually safe with other fish. Coolie loaches, to the best of mine, what I've seen. Yeah, I haven't seen anything, but you know, they might. One bad parent that doesn't protect the cave properly might get unlucky and let a coolie loach into eggs. Eggs are eaten by every species. It's just what can get by a defensive placo male. And loaches, I don't know if it's the nose. I don't know if it's they don't have scales so they can slip in uh, between them. I don't know if they're just faster. But well, every you time know that loaches have the, that eye spine, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's So it. what happens is the loaches... Loaches will fight. Loaches will stab them with that eye spine, especially if they can stab them in the sides or in the belly or in the face. That makes sense. Because a male, a male um, bristlenose will use its those maces on the sides of the cheeks to fight. Yeah. And the a coolie loach will just whip out that eye spine and. So there you go. What, what you need then is to add a couple of paradise paradise grommies right. to come in there and suck the eye out of the clown loach. Problem solved. Um, the only. So Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I apologize. The only loaches that I've had uh, luck with that I don't worry about is dojo loaches, penis fish. Uh, They're just so, you know, mopey, lackluster. They're not really on the hunt, and they won't burrow into a cave. However... Yo-yo botillas are pretty good, too. However, uh, once these wrigglers start becoming free swimming, they will just slowly release from the cave as they get hungry, and they don't have enough food in the cave. And... Everything in the tank will eat them. So what I do is I had, I told you about the 75 gallon. It was primarily Placos. I mean, I had a comp, you know, peaceful species in there like Tetras and some uh, Mollies and whatnot. Most everything left them alone except for the penis fish. So I took out the penis fish and then suddenly I just had these Placos breeding on their own. 
propagating on their own. And if I had, you know, a, a batch that normally did 100, on their own, 20 would survive. So I would have this massive factory churning out these placos. The problem is, is me scooping them. Scooping placos, tiny placos are a nightmare. Especially with a tank with any type of um, structure. Right. So I would give up on any placos that are free swimming until they got big enough where I could scoop them. And then I would strip every cave and then move the stripped caves over to, you know, two and a half gallon shrimp tanks, 10 gallon tanks, whatever I wanted to split them into, grow them up a little bit and give them to Jimmy. Right. I was so bored today. I'm watching uh, this young guy uh, from another country and he's raising uh, bettas and he's raising danios and he's breeding them in styrofoam fish coolers. And uh, his whole philosophy and stuff is to never handle them with a net until they get so big. And so um, he just takes and siphons everything out. Yeah. And and his big production was that he was raising bettas and stuff. And he had a, I want to say, 125-gallon long tank with three inches of water. And he just had it full of java moss and um, duckweed. And he was he started feeding him the... Uh, egg yolk to get them to get them going and stuff and then as the fish got bigger he just kept adding water to it and he said that by keeping the water lower uh is less uh area for the fish when they're small to go hunting which makes total sense yeah so i'm going to take my plico take it down about two inches throw them in the toilet and flush it now, the different kinds, uh, there's a bunch of different uh, Bristol Placo species you can find uh, all over the place, but the main ones that you'll see are what we call the common, which are the black or brown variety, um, the albino, uh, which can be full-on pink eye or non-pink eye. Um, well, then it should be, it should not be albino because... Correct. It's leucistic. It should be a melanist. Yeah, the acoustic. Yeah, there you go. Non-Caucasian. Uh, they still call them albino, whether it's pink eye or not pink eye. Um, then you have the long fin, which can be common, albino, or otherwise. And the super reds are quite popular. And uh, because, again, breeding is... Don't forget the lemons. Oh, no, no, that, that's the finisher. Uh, the, the super reds um, and the albinos can all be crossed with commons. And when you do so, you get blotching patterns. So if you cross a super red with a normal common, a brown-black one, you'll get what they call calicoed or blotched super reds. And that's becoming more of a trend now because people mix their placos. Um, I, per, uh, I think that they're even more beautiful than a normal super red. That's just my, my personal view on it. Um, if you cross an albino or leucistic or what, lucid, what, what, what did you call it? Lacoustic. Lacoustic. Um, if you cross that with a common uh, bristlenose placo, you'll get um, spotting. And when they're young, they'll have white, uh, white tails and uh, tip, uh, tips on their tails. Lots of fun. They will maintain fun patterns throughout their entire life. Um, that's the majority I had was crossing them. I had big females that were white. I had big males that were black. And I had really fun patterns on them, and they sold really well. The ones that I really... And Robbie's racist. <laughs> he is. Hey, I like my fish like I like naughty videos. The, um... <laughs> God. <laughs> Send your complaints to or your videos head to rob's send you send your fish breeding videos to aquarium guys podcast my favorite ones are the some people call them the green dragon long fins where they've got kind of a green sheen to them right 
And those are the ones that I really think are beautiful. I also like the blue-eyed lemon. So that's the, the right now, the popular holy grail. If you can get a long-finned, blue-eyed, uh, albino, bristlenose placo, these things go for insane amounts of money. They have. Oh, is that what you guys want for Christmas? Well, that's what we have at uh, Dee's Fish that we got in. There was a couple uh, really advanced breeders. And ironically, he became bre- breeders by accident. He had these decorations that he put in. There were porcelain bells, like for a church bell, like a decorative Christmas bell. And these just took at those for their uh, breeding caves. So that's what he does. He just has these really high end that he spent a ton of money for. Lemon, eye, or lemon blue-eyed, uh, long-fin, bristlenose placos. And he breeds these out, and we sell them for crazy amounts of money at that's, these fish. I like that idea about throwing money at a problem. Just, yeah. He threw nothing at it, and now it's getting money. <laughs> F you. That's, that's kind of how it works. Uh, but, yeah, these are very much designer placos. Check them out. They're, they're beautiful. Absolutely so, beautiful. So I do have a couple questions for Jimmy. What? First question I have, and Rob, you can answer this whether or not. Um, you have your lights on cycle timers, right? Mine? Do you do you have your bristlenose plecos on with with lights and cycle timers? I have them right off of um, my fish room and where it has natural lighting. So no, I do not have them on timers. Okay, and then Robbie, do you have that? Do you have them on timers? I'm I'm gonna confess. Uh, I have a group that are on timers that t- turn on and off at exactly the time of day, and then I have have the you know different tanks that they breed more proficiently. When the light is left on 24 hours a day. Okay. <laughs> God, I hate you so much. Yeah. So, so that would be that would be one thing where I would start with Jim mm-hmm. is putting them on a cycle. So when I was breeding them, I was breeding bristlenose plecos with wild caught rams, and that's what I did. Is I didn't even throw caves in there. I just threw chunks of driftwood, put them up against the corner of the. Uh, 10 gallon tank that I was breeding the wild caught rams in with mm-hmm. and then I, I had that light on a timer and then I also had it on it so it would dim it was like on a dimming timer because I found this out baby ram cichlids are stupid and get sucked up by your pump and so then I started putting <laughs> the sponge filters around the intakes of pumps and then I just went to straight up sponge filters but I would try that first and then I did routine water changes with colder water, and that always triggered a breeding response from my ram cichlids. You know, it always I, I know that the people say that when you do a cooler water change, it's kind of like when it rains out in the out in the wild. But I tell you what, if you threw open my bedroom door and put some cold water on me, I don't think it would help. I'm just saying. well, no, I'm just saying. And then here's the other thing, when. You, what, did I interrupt somebody? No. No, you're good. You're good. Ramble. Okay. <laughs> so, so mean. <laughs> whenever I did water changes, and I don't know how you guys do them, but whenever I'm breeding fish, I have the water go from the top. What does that mean? I can't fill the tank from the bottom. Yeah. You, you know what, what I mean? Talking? So no, most I don't. people put their... What I'm trying to say is, okay, so when, when I put my hose, I would put the hose you know most people put the hose all the way through to the bottom of the tank they and do fill it up that way i've never done that oh that's the way everybody else was doing it and then i always put it up at the very top like just right underneath the water surface 
and let it fill up that way oh, no. so that it just na- naturally drifts down. No, see, I got this cool C-clamp from Menards. For 99 cents. For 99 cents. I got 10 of them. And I use the garden hose, and I make it so there's an arch shooting <laughs> up and back into the tank, mating a, a giant aerator, aeration torrent for the entire <laughs> fish, disturbing the gravel, kicking fish around the tank. You know, that's that's what I do. I don't recommend it. You know, I have I have thought about this now too. Is that I thought about well, maybe what I could do is just take and um, drain it down about half way, and I was going to take a piece of PVC pipe and and drill little bottom holes in there so it like drips in like rain. I've actually thought about doing that. I haven't done it yet. That that's an idea. Make it rain, Jimmy. Make it rain, indeed. Make it rain. I mean. That would work. So you're just going to run the water through it and then call it good? I, I'm at this point where I'm just kind of suicidal, to be honest. I mean, you, what if we just take your tank as is, set it here, and plug it in? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it's location. And then the thing will start breeding, and then he'll start selling me my you fish. You know, it's that nasty aftershave that you use. <laughs> Was it, it Brute? It, it's Brute. It's Brute. Yeah. It's old school Brute. It's the same It's the same bottle of Brute I had since high school, since 1982. Sure. All right, so... Uh, Quick review, Brissendos Placos get, you know, four and a half inches. Uh, temperature varies. I've had them where there's no heat at all. I don't recommend it. And I've had them at like 85 degrees. Uh, they've done well in all of those circumstances. Uh, my favorite temperature, and especially breeding temperature, is lower. If you can do uh, breeding to get them started at about 74 to 72 degrees, great. I've, although I've had them breeding at 81 82 uh so, so you're saying 55 is too cold 55 is a little too cold all right jimmy i'll zoop it up yeah well 55 is too cold uh optimum ph i think is um you can literally look this yeah. up on the wikipedia pages they're like 5.2 to 8.9 that means they'll live in anything they're hardy and they're the go-to placo for people for a reason well, hang on though sure they are hardiness is hardness does affect eggs ph does affect eggs and the viability of eggs and sperm. It does affect the amount of time that an egg is viable for the sperm to go into. Because in hard water, in angelfish eggs, in hard water, you'll get a much poor um, same pair. You'll probably get like a 70% to a 90% difference. Because if the if the water's hard, then the eggs harden faster and the sperm can't get in there to fertilize. So gentlemen, uh, there's two... Two recommendations we have here. If you're trying to get your wife pregnant, no. install a water softener and stop drinking Mountain Dew. Actually, keep the cell phone out of your pockets. That'll probably be just fine. <laughs> you know, you two are the only two people I know who run the microwave with the door open. You're so <laughs> dumb. Not next to the scrub, though, Jimmy. That's, that's a rule of thumb. Uh, lifespan, five, we'll say, uh, uh, again, mine's 10 years. Jimmy's is a lot shorter because he keeps his room hot. Um, food. We we talked a little bit about what we've fed for babies. I love that shrimp and veg pellet from Cobalt just because it's it, it's hard to find protein in an algae wafer because I want spirulina, but I also want protein to grow them out. But as far as food goes, uh, you, they're going to be eating your pellet. 
They're going to be eating your excess flake. They're going to be eating that food. And in between times, they're going to scavenge. They're going to eat algae. It's not going to be their primary diet. So if you think that this is some sort of magic algae eater, it will help keep the tank clean. They will do a good job. And they'll even eat that brown algae, which I don't recommend feeding to your fish on purpose. Clean it off instead. But if you're going to feed them, feed them fresh. Around here, especially towards the fall time, we get people that give us zucchinis and cucumbers left and right. Everybody and their mom in the Midwest has their own garden, and everybody's giving that away in buckets at church. That's why you need to lock your door in the fall, because you could come out of your come out of the grocery store and find out that somebody put seven zucchini on your front seat. It's yeah, absolutely. Strangers, I mean, I'm serious. This is not a joke. I, Strangers have given me. I found a box of zucchini right in my front seat of the car going to the local grocery store. Yeah. I don't know who did it. I, I I don't know if it was a friend of mine. I doubt it. But I've literally done that. And just like you, Jimmy, I've gone home with zucchini. I, I've got... So my main gig is I drive bread truck for a bread company. And I, I have a route. And in one of the smaller towns, they know that I'm looking for zucchini. And so that's like the worst thing that can happen. Because they tell their neighbor, and they tell their neighbor. And pretty soon you've got 100 pounds of zucchini in the back of your bread truck when you went inside of the grocery store for 10 minutes. Right, and people just throw it in there, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say, hey, you want a couple of loaves of bread or whatever, and and they're more than happy to do some trading and stuff. And so, so here's what you do: you take that zucchini, you take that cucumber, and you slice it up. You take, you know, I'd say what quarter inch slices, Jimmy? Yeah, I, I usually do it uh, half I, inch. Nah, not even that much, but I probably do quarter inch. Quarter inch, and I'll do a half a zucchini, a, a regular size zucchini. Yeah, not not the big monster ones. And I'll throw in six, eight pieces a day into my, and the next day there's nothing left but rind. You'll just see a, like the, the tiny green ring. Right. And anyway, see left. leave that for a day and that's gone. Right. So uh, that's how much you feed, but take that same zucchini, that cucumber, and don't be afraid to freeze the slices. You can put it in Ziploc bags and I've had them good in the freezer for a year and a half. Yeah. I, right now I have some in the freezer because right now this time of year, I've been buying them at our local uh, grocery store. And when I get home, I just cut them up, throw them in the freezer downstairs, and I have that, that brand new refrigerator downstairs because I right. like throwing money at a problem. Bought a new fridge. Well, I mean, you have a fish room. You have to have a, f- a freezer for the fish room. I do. Yeah. And and just it's just by coincidence that there's some beer in there. Just, I mean, just a little coincidence. A little coincidence. Don't freeze your beer. Uh, so then you take these slices, and people complain like, oh, it's floating at the top of my tank. Well, fish that have already been acclimated to cucumber, they don't... Plakels will go to the surface of the tank and suck them dry. But if you're just introducing for the first time and you're trying to get them on the horse, so to speak, on the wagon, and you're trying to get them to taste and chow down this food, don't be afraid to go to your hardware store and get yourself stainless steel screws. Hmm. Works great. Doesn't bleed into the tank. And you literally screw in a stainless steel screw into your Placo slice. It drops down nicely and the Placos devour them, leaving the screw behind. Yeah, I see that there's a lot of professional, like, stainless steel things that you can clip on your zucchini and stuff and pay a lot of money. And I I recommend that you throw money at a problem and just spend a lot of money. But that's probably a pretty good idea, too. Yeah, you can use Jimmy's nipple clamps as long as they are stainless. They are stainless. But you have to make sure that you unhook them from the electrical. Fun fact, you know, we get a lot of crap for... uh, For dildos in aquariums? No, you get a lot of crap because you're the only one that deals with it. Nobody else does. I put it's a, you. I put it's a, all you. I put a lot of dildos in aquariums in my day. You do. I still have three extra dildos on hand just to put in more people's aquariums. That sure, we'll we'll say that's why it yep, is. Yep, that's why. Glass in the box, brand new, ready to go. But now what I'm going to do 
is get nipple clamps for me. That's genius. Oh yeah, I'm, just, I'm sitting here the whole time like, what are you going to use for for Pleco food? Nipple clamps. Nipple clamps. They're yeah. already stainless. They're, right. They're made for this purpose. Just make sure to get the ones that aren't already wired for the small electric current. <laughs> I'm just saying. So uh, I do have a I do have a serious question for you guys, <laughs> and I want your opinion. Yeah. Because I'm kind of at this opinion. Okay. Well, if you're um, starting with nipple clamps, Adam, start small. Is that, is that what your no, question no, is? No. The gauging. Yeah, just start small. Don't go with it for the big ones right away. No, no. Um, so in the reptile world, uh, leopard geckos yes. are a mix of at least three or four, possibly more different species. Do you think that bristlenose plecos are a mix of three, four, five different species as well? Um, there's so many crosses with different types of Plego species that you could get that in nature, just because they're so common in the uh, South American waters they're at, uh, I, I, w- I would highly doubt it. You know, think about this. There is no mirror in the water for these fish. I mean, how do they know what they look like, what their spouse should look like? You smell well, them. Well, it's pheromones. Yeah, you smell them. You guys are so weird. Yeah, I mean, nipple clamps wasn't wasn't far enough for you, Jimmy. Well, I'm just saying that that I mean, how come the white pleco doesn't want to hang out with the black pleco, with the red pleco, with the albino bristles pleco, with some other pleco, just because it's a pleco? So, maybe it's a pleco party. The albino quote unquote species are an anomaly in nature, so there isn't that money. That, we've we've just you know expounded upon that weird strain in in our hobby, so. You don't see many of the re- weird variations you see in our hobby because of the selective breeding processes we've done. Is that what you're going to call it? Yeah. I'm, I'm being nice. You're not going to say that it's fish porn. Bound chickawawa. Okay. So, yeah, that uh, that's where we're at with uh, Bristlenose Placos. We've had a lot of requests and a lot of people asking uh, what to do. That's what I've done. Uh, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. Some people see eggs immediately. They strip them. They'll use some sort of like cichlid egg hoppers to uh, make sure they're done. It's a lot of extra steps when dad's going to do it better than you. So, you know, I always try to leave the dad in there, check the eggs every day. And when they're wrigglers, then pull the whole batch. That's been the easiest and best for me. So a question we haven't answered yet is how long does it take for the bristle eggs to hatch? I've seen temperature. It all depends on temperature. A few days, two days, I mean, or, or three days. Uh, it just depends on the t- your tank. So I mean, watch them every day. I don't, mean, don't let it go. Just pretend that any moment, because you don't know when they were uh, ha- dropped either. So the moment you see eggs, th- pretend that it's been a few days and they're going to hatch any minute. And keep checking that cave. And the one thing we have talked about yet, the, the few that I have done and I, and I watched them grow, I mean, they exponentially get bigger every day. The clutch looks like it's like they laid more eggs than ever. The yes. eggs just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So day one, you'll see a small mound, and you'll just assume to yourself, hmm, it's probably a new a new mom, you know, like a, a young a young female dropping it. And then, you know, two days later, you'll see that whole um, mound has grown in size. You're like, oh, maybe she added more. Nope, you're right. Those eggs got bigger. Right. And I, I've had some people ask me, too, that, that well, the male won't let the, the babies out. And I'm going, well, I mean, there's the, still- ma- the male will. The male does not block babies coming and going. Uh, so when they, when wrigglers hatch and they're free swimming uh, and they actually um, r- dissolve their yolk and now they be free swimming, they stay in the cave until they're hungry. Right. They'll come out and he'll let them out to eat and they'll go back in for protection from other fish. Nope. What? 
once they go out uh, start going out to eat, they very rarely come back in. Oh cable no, I had them always go back in. The three times it happened to me, they all went the, back the, in. The three times. The three times it happened to me. Now, so I, I have I have uh, had somebody that that was so worried about it, they were taking a uh, air hose and and putting spirulina water through the air hose into the mouth of the cave. Yeah, it's just so much work when they just breed like rabbits anyway. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, but really, uh, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I think the difference between the three batches you've had and a few batches I've had is <laughs> not just the fact that, that that's been there, but the fact that it, when my plate goes leave, uh, they have <laughs> of places to hide. Your tanks might be a little bit more bare, and that's the best place to hide is the cave. Uh, th- that's a guess. You know, when you, when you leave into a 75-gallon aquarium where there's a log... I, they're going to want to be on the log rather than go back with dad. So yeah, I'll buy a new log then. I'll buy, throw some, buy a log. I'm going to buy a log. I'm going to buy some substrate. I'm going to buy some freaking cold water. I'm going to throw some more money at this problem. And I'm going to have a <laughs> full report for you in six months. I can already see it, the text yeah, message. It's going to go like Suck this. Suck it. And you're going to send me egg pictures. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to go like this. Hey, guys, I'm standing on the edge of a bridge. I just <laughs> want to say goodbye to you because I'm killing myself. Because he's damn. You know what though? Everybody has their their certain things that they're just lucky at breeding, and they're good at breeding. Yeah, this is my luck. I there's there's very many things I can't do. That's true. Life of me. Because Jim, because you're lucky. Because I mean, look at Adam's. Adam's got four kids. Right. So we know what he's good at. Right. I kids aren't my thing. Yeah. Adam figured that one out. You can breed bristles. I would breed other stuff. You know, I just need a better tan, and you know, I, I maybe get get a little better at it there we go um but what i'm saying is is jim how many times did i have problems breeding guppies really and you would you would laugh at me yeah i guess yeah that that's that's the achilles heel yeah what is oh, actually no. mine i'm trying to think huh of what, what, what is mine that I, i'm trying to think of ones that i've tried uh i had a problem with angelfish but jimmy was able to train me out of it did you um do you ever get your rice fish to go which one uh, betas? The, Madi- the Maduka rice fish. Madaka rice fish. Maduka, Madaka. I did. Medina. I finally got them to go, but I couldn't actually hatch the eggs. Um, that prog- uh, progress was stomped because I had a child. That's right. Yeah. All things stopped because Robbie had a child. I had them have, like, because Madaka rice fish, they will actually hold eggs on their body. So I've seen them hold eggs. I've watched them lay eggs across the tank, but I cannot get the eggs to live long enough through fungus. So I don't know what to do if I'm going to have to pick them off plants and then put them in methyl, uh, methylene blue. I don't know what the what to do there. Yeah, maybe put some more almond leaves in there. It's always good for bacterial and fungals. Fungal. Is it? Yep. Hmm. Poop water makes fish stay healthy. That's right. Hmm. We should call Scott really? from Tannin. <laughs> so the one, the one, my biggest thing besides guppies that I've had problems with, um, I'm trying to think here. Yeah, guppies were my hardest ones. And I, I, and there again, I think it was Adam was up there where the water was pretty hard up north in northern, yeah. northern Minnesota and stuff. And, you know, and, and what I found out too, is that is if to get the right stock and, you know, like right now, I, I brought in some crown tail guppies, which you love so much, Robbie. And I brought They're in so nice. I brought in six or eight pair. I paid a lot of money for them, and I ended up with one female that didn't die from that initial bringing them in from the Orient. 
and um, she had babies. I kept all those babies. Now I'm already on F3 uh, babies, and now I don't lose them because they've grown up in my water. Right. And so it's just you've had that many batches. Yeah. So it's just a decent stock that used to your water, because overseas, Lord knows what they're doing um, for water quality and different things and stuff. But I mean, there's so many times I brought guppies over from overseas, and they get that um, I want to call it gram negative. Bacterial yeah, bacteria. Gram-negative bacterial infection on their backs where their backs just dissolve. It looks like a saddle, and the fish just dissolves in two pieces. So, yeah, not a good thing. Well, that's the... Uh, that's the you were whole... going to tell me about my plant. What? Oh, your plant. Oh, yeah, the plant. So the thing that you called the plant was identified as a certain strain of uh, weeping moss. Uh, that particular strain, you you decided that you're going to have Jimmy take a couple pieces and put them in all my tanks. Which is fun. Uh, that was fun for me. I was able to identify most of the tanks. Uh, some of the tanks I just let grow, and I want to see the cycle. So I had a two-and-a-half-gallon tank where the shrimp died in. I'm like, well, I'm just going to let it go and see what happens and not touch that tank ever. So I, from that time, how long ago was this? Over a year ago? Oh, yes, more than. year and a half, Three two years? years? It's been a it's been a hot minute. Yep. I let the entire uh, that one tiny little clipping piece that you put in my two and a half gallon shrimp tank go and see what happens. And I didn't change the water. I didn't add water. I did nothing to the tank. It completely overtook the whole tank. Grew and covered the outside edges of the glass where it got the most light. Grew up and out of the water. And once it covered the entire top of the tank, the bottom started to die off because it was getting no light and it suffocated its own self out. So it started dying from the bottom up, up, up until it finally got to the top and then there was nothing rooting and uh, grounding it. And then it died, fell to the bottom and the whole tank was dead and then re-sprouted and continued to do the whole cycle over again. Kind of like herpes. It was great. (laughs) It was great. And by the time it started to do that second cycle, there was... 35% 35% of the water remaining because <laughs> I didn't add into a water. I didn't do anything. It was just a sponge filter in there. So it's really cool to see that full process. And the reason you didn't go in there is you're just scared, right? I, yeah. Well, you know, remember the whole, you know, I put garbage in jars and look at it as a kid. Yeah. That was the latest for me being an adult. How much fun is that? You put it in a jar and I watched it. I thank you for the entertainment gentlemen. So anyway, do you still have some of that weeping moss there, Jimmy? I do not. I actually, I think I told you this the last two, three podcasts ago that that bag Adam gave me, it was in a Ziploc bag with maybe two cups of water. And I threw it on my bagging station at home for how long, Adam? Two years. And then I met Adam down in Minneapolis. Uh, We're going to a show and I gave it back to him. I said, look at this. Same bag. It's never been opened. And it's and green. It, it still was green. And it's just been <laughs> sitting be on the counter. Well, if you need some. No, we gave that away when we were down in Minneapolis. No, I mean, yes, we did. I, I still got some for no, you. No, I'm good. I have a lot of it for no, you. No, we're, we're good. A lot of it, too. Yeah. That, that I've, the tanks that I've taken it out of, uh, because there was so much growth, and now it took all the growth out of it, I now am propagating uh, moss balls throughout my all my <laughs> tanks. Uh, to take over the the growth problem in my tank. So I have curtains of this moss ball material. I roll it up, and I have a perfect moss ball. 
I can give you some moss balls. I uh, I had about 50 moss balls on hand when the whole uh, snail thing through the moss ball thing happened yeah, a while back. So I quit squeeze selling your them. balls. Yes, I yeah. did. Not, I didn't know. I did not. Oh, but I kept them. So I just I still have them in my tanks at home. Sure. Got anything else, Adam? Nope. That's that's what I got. Well, I'm telling you, when we get this new merch store up, uh, if those those that uh, checked our existing merch store, you'll notice that the T-shirt "I Love Cock" K O K, the ball on the flower horn's head, has been removed from our merch store. Apparently, good job, Jim. Good job, Robbie. Apparently, Teespring saw the uptick in orders, and uh, the, the the printer people that had to see the T-shirts pulled they, it from our store. They stole our design. Uh, so we're trying to find a new merch place, and when we do, I think uh, zucchini, uh, Playco zucchini nipple clamps have to be on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Stainless steel uh, Playco nipple clamps. Exactly. How could you not want that? So like I said, Adam, when you're starting with nipple clamps, start small and work your way up to the big ones. Just saying. You know, we could okay. actually... Uh, I've only fed Playco's watermelon once, but how great would it be to actually have actual slices of melon on a nipple clamp for your Playco. That's deep. That's deep. I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right, guys. If you like what you're hearing, go to the Aquarium Guys podcast, bottom of the website, email us, join the Discord to listen to these live, or, you know, buy some existing merch or throw us a few bucks. We, we appreciate it. It helps editing costs and keep this uh, podcast going. You know what we should do is you should offer people if they donate so much that you'll send them some of the plant. I can do that now that we know that it's technically legal in all fi- most of the 50 states. Technically legal in most of the 50 states. Everything's legal in Florida. I can't uh, wait. Even though for, no one cares. I can't wait for that phone call. Hey, Jimmy, come get me out of jail. Hey, um, so are we still going to have the DNR person coming on soon? Uh, I am working on that, actually. Uh, the DNR in Minnesota are proposing a new list of banned species, and I would love for them to come on and tell us more about it. I'm going to have to be on my very best behavior, aren't I? When you say you know a guy, you're just going to get ejected from the podcast for the safety of our own repertoire. I literally might just be only be able to listen to this. <laughs> hey, if Adam's not there, y'all know why. Yeah, you'll, all you'll hear is vibrating on the other end like he's just ready to start saying the F word. <laughs> Uh, one one uh, little cliff note there, Adam. They're finally banning the Wells catfish in Minnesota. I thought they were already banned. They're federally banned. They're not state banned. It's about time because Wells Fargo sucks. <laughs> I tell you. I had an account with those a-holes one time, and I just can't even begin to tell you how much. They're right up there with Schmelta Airlines. By the way, I am flying Schmelta here shortly. You are <laughs> You're so <laughs> This may be my last podcast, people. I may not get back home. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, hopefully until the next podcast. Adios. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. I do have a, I do have a serious question for you guys, <laughs> and I want your opinion. Yeah. Because I'm kind of at this opinion. Okay, well, if you're um, starting with nipple clamps, Adam, start small. Is that, is that what the no, question no, no. is? The gauging. Yeah, just start small. Don't go with it for the big ones right away.